Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cracking Fitness. It's been a little bit since we posted last, so I'm sorry about that, uh, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy today's episode. It is with Jessica Lucero. It was such an incredibly fun time chatting with her. She has been in Olympic lifting for like the last 15 years. She drops these little subtle wisdom bombs throughout the entire episode, and I could not stop smiling when she told the story of how she got into Olympic weightlifting. It is just such a cool and unique story. It's really fun to hear her passion and her perseverance, and like I said earlier, just the the wisdom that you're going to hear from her. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. If you do like it, hop over to iTunes, give us a, like awesome review, and have a great day. Bringing health, wellness, and fitness ideas right to your speakers with your host, Tyler Martin, learning from experts and average Joes alike. This is the Cracking Fitness Podcast. All right, Jessica, I really appreciate you taking your time out of your day and, and chatting with us on the podcast. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Um, so we can kind of just jump right into it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Some of our listeners are not, uh, they're not Olympic lifters. They may not even know a lot about Olympic lifting. They kind of started listening to it for health and, and, and longevity. Can you tell us a little bit about what Olympic lifting is and who you are? Oh yeah. Um, Olympic weightlifting is obviously a sport in the Olympics, <laughs> um, but it is one of the oldest sports in the Olympic games. It's, been there since the very beginning in Greece, which is kind of cool. Um, it just ha started having um, women's weightlifting in 2000. And so it's fairly new to women in, in general. But I'm a, a 59 kilo um, competitor for Team USA. I, um, do you want to know like my like what I've done in the sport so far? Or, or like just in general, like the we compete in the snatch and the clean and jerk and there's weight classes and all of that yeah yeah i like that so uh okay so then so people who don't know there's different weight classes and then you're competing against each other in those weight classes yeah. um yeah so there's um 10 10 weight classes um for females and then 10 for men and um we obviously, when we're competing, we have three attempts in the snatch and three attempts in the clean and jerk. So um, usually there's some strategy to it. The coaches will pick a weight for your opening snatch. That's something comfortable, like, because we're competing under pressure, um, you, nerves and things can, can affect, like, how you perform. So you want to make sure that it's a weight that you're comfortable taking for your first attempt. Um, and then you would jump up, depending on the weight class, would depend on how many kilos you would add to your second attempt and then your third attempt obviously would be like the highest heaviest weight that you would lift and um, your heaviest lift that you end up completing for the judges is added in the snatch and the clean and jerk so like ideally if you make all six of your lifts your third attempt would be added together for your total and then you're compared in your weight class based on your total so how whoever lifted the most weight that day won that competition and then when you get into like the competition scene for like the international stage it's 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 simple like that on the international stage but qualifying for team usa and becoming on the national team and things like that it gets more complicated because we compete with everybody um 
no matter what weight class you're in, because there's these, these Roby scores that are, we earn from competition to competition based on what our total is. And then they're compared to the other girls in other weight classes. So like the top 10 girls in the country will qualify for the world championships based on the Roby standard. And um, basically like if you're close enough to meddling at the Olympics or at the world championships, that's how, like if, if you're close to a medal, then you'll probably make the team. And then there's limits, like only two per weight class can make a team. So if there's three or more, like this year for world championships, there is three 71 kilo girls that qualified, but because only two are allowed to compete for a one country, um, the third 71 out of her total, she is an alternate now, which kind of sucks. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's tricky and hard to follow, but also really simple at the same time, I guess, because it's just whoever's the strongest and closest to meddling gets it. <laughs> okay. So there's 10 spots. Uh, that means yeah. if there's 10 spots, but there's not more than two allowed. So that means that Team, team USA wouldn't send a person for every weight class. Is that correct? It's possible. Yeah. Um, we typically do end up qualifying someone from each weight class but um like for example there's an 86 kilo weight class for females and I'm I don't think that we have an 86 lifter competing I think that's the weight class I get confused because there's there's also Olympic weight classes and non-Olympic weight classes and at the world championship every weight every kind of weight class can compete but like we just got back from Pan Am Games which is only Olympic weight classes and the Olympic champ, uh, the Olympic Games is also only Olympic weight classes, and so, like for the qualifying for that, it's I get confused because there's only four weight classes, or well, wait, there's only four spots that go to the Olympics, for example, and it can be in any weight class, but they have to be an Olympic weight class. So, some of the weight classes are in the United States are stronger than others, obviously. So there's they're a little bit more stacked and there's, there's more girls, you know, up and coming in some weight classes than in others. Okay. Yeah. It does sound a little complicated, but at the same time, not too complicated. It's easier when it's like all written down. Yes. I imagine it would be. Uh, so <laughs> you guys have competitions all throughout the year or is there kind of like a, a season for it? Yeah, for me, so I was just telling my husband Christian about this because he does CrossFit, um, that all the, they, all the athletes that just did the CrossFit Games like are all on vacation right now. And I was like, I don't even understand what that's like because for us, it's like competition after competition after competition right now because it's an Olympic qualifying year. Yeah. Um, so like I've basically competed every six weeks for like since February of earlier this year oh my so God. it's been so yeah pretty crazy yeah I can't even imagine on the national level or international level just having that I guess mental emotional physical pressure every yeah. six weeks that that is crazy yeah yeah and like having to be in a peak like basically that whole time on your body is challenging but also like for me I'm in a weight class where I have to cut down to so like I'm constantly eating in a deficit and it's just like, it, it can be draining, you know, emotionally and stuff where like the national level lifters that aren't competing international, they get like, you know, they could have up to three months in between their training. So they have time to like get back into training and yeah. let their weight creep up a little bit, but like not too bad. And, 
you know, get stronger for the next competition, we're pretty much like as strong as we're going to be. It's just like, how many lifts can we make that day? You know? Yeah. So that it does add another factor to the competition scene. But like, like I said, every level comes with their own stressors and, and it's, it's just different at every, at every stage. So I, I shouldn't really complain. A lot of people would be, um, so excited and happy to be in my position so yeah. I should be grateful no well so that being said and that just popped into my head what I'm about to say is that's one thing I like about your social media is you're pretty real about stuff um yeah social media for me is it's cool but at the same time it's a little bit annoying just because what you posted the other day about the highlight reel it's just people yeah the best time of their life and so it's so easy mm-hmm. to pop on and look and be like, oh, well, you know, Jessica's always lifting and she's going to international competitions and she's married to a cool dude. Right. But then, you know, yeah. but the, the truth is, yeah, like life is awesome, but it also has ups and downs. And so it's something that I appreciate about your social media and about you. So one of the reasons why I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of bring you on the show, like, I don't want to talk with everybody. I, I just want to talk with people that are real and, and can actually like contribute to the so I appreciate yeah, and I think, um, thank you for saying that. I try really hard, honestly, because like I have a really complicated relationship with social media personally. And like, I think that people forget that everyone's human beings on there. Like, like they're just seeing one piece of the puzzle and they're not seeing the big picture. And, and some people share everything and some people don't share everything. And some people, you know, are really happy all the time. And that's great for them. But some people aren't, and they have to work really hard at their mindset and, you know, enjoying the process and all of that. And, and, and so the, it's more of a struggle for some people than for others. And like, everyone's different. And that's okay. Like, it's, it's not like one person's better than the other or anything. Like, at the end of the day, like everyone has their own struggles. And like, for example, like you saying that about me and Christian and me, traveling internationally like the side of it that that doesn't isn't seen is that like there's so many sides actually that aren't seen like we have to hear everyone else's opinions about us all the time like oh this person should make the team instead of that person or this person's better than that person or or they're just opinions and their judgment about us as athletes and us as people and based on one competition or one experience never having met us and then like me and Christian like yeah he's an amazing man and I'm very blessed to be married to him and um he he helped me a lot but also we don't see each other a lot and we're not able to be around each other a lot and he takes on a lot of sacrifices because I have to travel so much like I pressured him into getting a puppy in 2016 and he basically has to be with that puppy all the time because I'm never home to like help (laughs) and he has to work a lot more because I don't have time yeah which is a great plug for your Instagram puppies page right now. <laughs> yeah. Christian so, just changed the uh, tag or the handle. So I don't even know what it is now. It's like Ray the Brindle Pug or something. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking through and that's, that's exactly what it is. Pretty cute puppy. <laughs> I mean, as cute <laughs> Thank as you. Puppy. Yeah. She's, <laughs> I'm just she's very sweet. That's awesome. No, I, that's cool. And I appreciate you saying all that. And, and honestly, if anyone wants to like get to know you a little bit, just, scrolling through your social media it, it feels like it feels like you can get to know you pretty well just because how real you are with everything 
Um, Thanks. I feel like people don't choose to do that though. They just like will make a snap judgment off of like one thing that they see and then they'll be like, oh, she's like this instead of like, hmm, maybe I should like do some research before I make an opinion about somebody or like talk to them, have a conversation with them and see how they make me feel or whatever. Yeah. Like people just forget that we're all human, you know, on yeah. social media. And that's just like a pet peeve of mine about it. And so like, sometimes I just, I'm like, I can't deal with it. I'm not going on. No, I'm right there with you. Um, someone the other day, like I am not the leanest person. So someone the other day is like, uh, they made some comment about that. I, I'm, I'm way too soft to be a fitness coach. And like, oh my gosh, soft. And I was like, dang it, well, I am a little bit soft, but I'm a decent coach. I'm definitely a better coach than I'm an athlete. That's for sure. But, um, but they know nothing. But that's so, yeah. And like, they don't know what your your credentials are or your accolades or anything. Like, they just they're judging based on one appearance. And like, weight fluctuates. Like, maybe, like this is a season or whatever. And maybe not. Like, who cares? It's so stupid. I don't know. I just. <laughs> it's frustrating to me and I'm really envious of my husband because he's so good at just like not caring what people say and like I'm just not like that like I, I, I don't want to say that I'm an overly sensitive person but I care about people I care about people in general so like when they say hurtful things I'm like dang I'm trying so hard you know like I'm trying to be a good person and you know, I'm trying to be a good example and leader in a community. And when people are like hurtful and rude and don't see like, I'm trying really hard to be a good athlete too. And maybe I don't have the best competition. That doesn't mean I'm a bad athlete or that, you know, I should be like ashamed of myself or anything like that. You know, it's just, exactly. it's just funny how things work. We're like, Christian will see something like that. If somebody was like, you're irrelevant on social media, he would be like, laughing about it and think it's so funny and it not phased him at all <laughs> that's that's kind of nice I'm a little envious of that I, I wish I was the same way but I uh, I know I, if I don't even know them and they say something I'm still like second guessing I'm like oh, I'm a little soft I'm a little chunky but yeah and you know what that is okay yeah that's awesome so what can you tell us a little bit about growing up like what has brought you to where you're at right now as far as you know life is happening you're in elementary school when did you decide all right I'm going to be an Olympic weightlifter and I'm going to dedicate my life to this I want to point out really quick before I answer that question that yes. you're one of the only people out of like all of the interviews I've ever done that have like actually asked me this question <laughs> oh that cool <laughs> well, it's, thank you. it's cool yeah um, um so really well, quick, just to go, go into that just really fast, um, I think a lot of people get caught up on what, what program are we on? You know, like someone might mm -hmm. see Christian as a really good uh, CrossFit athlete and go, what, what, what program is Christian on? Or, you know, what program uh -huh. is Jessica following? I want to know like 20 years ago. I want to know where you started because that's what brought you to where you're at. Yeah, and I think that that shapes a person so much, like, like growing up, I was really insecure kid. And I was told a lot by family members that I wasn't going to do anything special with my life and that I couldn't be anything. So I took like basically my whole entire life reteaching myself that that's not true. And that's something that like is still to this day, something that comes up in my mind. And like, even some of my family members that weren't like that with me that are loving and caring and and 
and decent. <laughs> they're like that too, because they're around other people in my family that were negative and were hurtful and were like that. And so they have their own issues with their mentality and things. And they're not even professional athletes. They're just regular people who work hard and do the best that they can. And so it's like, it's, it's crazy to me because now like I'm more aware of stuff like that. And when I have conversations with them, I'm like, man, I wish they could um, realize that they're hurting themselves and they're like abusing themselves in their own minds, like, and that they have the power to be stronger than that. And like, they have the power to choose to be confident and to love themselves for, for other things, you know, but yeah, um, yeah, my mom was encouraging me of me to do sports my whole life. Like it was a rule at our house. And um, I grew up as an, uh, she was a single mom for most of my life. And so she was working a lot and I basically like took care of my little brother and my grandparents and my aunt and uncle like kind of pitched in and like would help me and stuff and be there um, when my mom was working because she was a flight nurse. And so she was working in helicopters for like two days at a time. And I wouldn't see her for a long, like a lot, a lot of my childhood, I guess. And, um, but we had a rule in our house that I had to always play a sport and it was soccer for most of my life. Um, when she met my stepdad, they he had gotten laid off from his job and so we were we had to move to Florida and the soccer system out there was a lot different than it was in Ohio for me and it was a hard transition and I didn't really fit into like the culture of soccer down there and I had grown up playing soccer with the girls I was playing with and I was on the travel team like we competed at nationals and and things like that um so it was it was challenging. And I told my mom, like, I didn't want to do it anymore. And all of the girls were like super rich too. And like, we had no money, like that wasn't how I was raised. So I had nothing in common with them. Like one of the girls, for example, I went to um, one of the travel team practices and it was at one of the girls' houses and she had a full soccer field in her backyard, like staged and everything like painted. And she had a helicopter in the back. Like I was like, um, <laughs> what <laughs> yeah so that was like just hard and then you know with any transition like that like you have to build relationships and I just wasn't I was a shy person in general and so I, it was it was challenging so I started doing like just track at the school at my middle school and um Danny Camargo was my first coach at, um he coaches in Orlando um and he coaches another elite athlete um, on the national team right now that competes at Worlds and everything with me. And she's a very accomplished and yeah, Maddie Rogers. Um, so he came to my middle school and he gave out flyers and he said, like, if you're playing any sports and you wanted to do, he's like, I coach weightlifting and I, um, you can do it for strength and conditioning to get better at your sport. And it was, it was just kind of like, I didn't even realize it was a sport. I just thought it was like, you know, a training mechanism. And I didn't, our family didn't have a ton of money. So I was like, we've never been able to do extra stuff. Like I was on the team and I got to do whatever the team did for the school, but I like, there was no extra. Like I didn't go to like massages or like yeah. anything like that. It was like, I got to go when, when class, when the school let me go. And that was it. Um, and when he 
came, I was like interested, but I knew it wasn't an option. So I didn't even ask my mom about it. I didn't even tell her about it. And then fast forward to my freshman year of high school, Danny coached at the high school. Like there was a weight room at the school. And I remember like at orientation, it was like over the summer, right before school started after eighth grade going into freshman year, um, we had like a tour of the school and the school was like just huge. I'd never seen a school like that in my life. And there was a weight room, like fully equipped weight room and like an Olympic sized pool and like this whole basically a sports facility. And there was a girl in there lifting. Um, there were two girls and one of the girls was just, there was basically, there's a program in Florida called high school weightlifting and it's bench and clean and jerk. But Danny had his club team as an after school program there also. So there was like kind of a combination of like the girls that just did it for fun in high school and like for credit for, you know, college and stuff. And then there was like the Olympic weightlifting team that competed at like youth nationals and, um, and all of that. And one of the girls that was in there, I remember seeing in my middle school and she always came to class in like a team USA jacket. And I remember thinking, and she was, she always kept to herself. She got good grades. She was, she was like a nice girl, but like, I didn't talk to her ever because she was kind of intimidating and I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know what sport she played. I just knew she was a really serious athlete. And I saw her in the weight room that day and she was training and I was like, oh my gosh, like that's what I should be doing. But I didn't know how much it would cost. And so I was like, just kind of nervous about it. And so I told my mom that I was going to start tryouts for soccer and go back to soccer. And she was like, okay, whatever. And during tryouts, it was after school. So Danny's club was training at that time. And I was, I would go to, I went to the tryouts and like the third day of tryouts, I was like, I want to go check out what Danny and them are doing in there and see what's going on and like maybe introduce myself and just, you know, ask questions or watch their practice. Like I was so curious and I went in and I met Danny and he was like, do you want to make, he, well, first he was like, um, yeah, just watch whatever and see if you like it. And then um, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. I became really good friends with a girl that ended up qualifying for junior worlds that year. And, um, she was on Danny's team and she was my classmate. And so I decided to quit soccer and not finish tryouts and do high school weightlifting because at least I wouldn't have to pay for that. And it's like an introduction and I could start weightlifting. And, um, I lied to my mom. I like, didn't tell her, I was like, I'm just going to do it. And, um, I'll tell her if it becomes serious um I don't know what my plan was with that honestly because like eventually they were going to find out that I wasn't on the team or like hey Jess did you make the team or anything and you know I don't know I didn't have a plan but um so I started the high school weightlifting and there was a different coach for that and um Danny had come in early one of the days we were training for that because it's it was after school but it wasn't there was like a gap so it was after school training, but then Danny's club wouldn't come in until like right after that training was supposed to like the hour after that. So there was overlap, but not like a ton. And um, I was in there and I was doing clean and jerks and I was pretty good at them. Like I had obviously some shoulder strength 
limitations and mobility limitations and just like, you know, normal people think when you're learning a new sport. Um, but I was really strong already from playing soccer and from running track. And I was really fast. Um, like I just had some natural ability in it. And Danny saw me doing clean and jerks and he asked me if I wanted to make the Olympics. And I was like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but at the time, like I wanted to make the Olympics playing soccer. I just didn't realize like if I wasn't playing soccer, I probably couldn't make the Olympics for soccer. And I wasn't really on that track. Like the, it, like I would have been on national team track already if I was going to play soccer. But since we moved, it was like, it was just a weird thing. But that was always my goal in my mind. Like, I want to make the Olympics for soccer. <laughs> and um, so he said, I said, yeah, for sure. And he's like, I think you should quit everything else you're doing and, and join my team. And I was like, okay. And I talked to my mom about it. And I told her the situation. And at the time, the, the, um, my mom had just gotten remarried and they were doing okay. And so I, I don't know, she was like for it. And so I started and as a, also at the time, it wasn't as expensive as it is now to do weightlifting, but um, yeah. And, and so I started the club team and I started competing after that. And I was a freshman in high school and now I'm, I'm turning 30 next month. So it's been a long time. That's amazing. So since you started the story, I know we're not like on video. I've just had a smile on my face the entire time. That is such a cool story. I love that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Um, and like a kind of a cool thing. I don't know if I like had said that, but like I also did high school weightlifting throughout my whole career until my senior year. Um, my senior year, the state championships and the national championships. So for high school weightlifting, that's the highest we can go is state championships. But for obviously for weightlifting, there's an international competitions and, and national competitions that you qualify for. And I was, there's kind of like a start list. So like when you sign up for a competition, you put in your qualifying total and then there's a start list that shows like what everyone qualified at. And there's some people that kind of like bluff a little bit uh, with the numbers that they do, especially now. But back then it was like such a small sport. Everyone was pretty honest because there was only one session and it didn't really matter. Like sometimes nowadays people are like, oh, I did really, I did a 200 total, but in reality, they did a 185 total just to get them in like the, the highest session with the best athletes because there's like an A session with the best athletes and then a B session and then a C session. So they're trying to get like as close to being in the A session as possible, where then it was just like one session for everybody. <laughs> there wasn't enough athletes for that. Um, and I was on the start list, like within position for a medal. And so we had to make a hard decision of like not competing in high school state championships, which I qualified for or going to the national championships. And that was like a hard decision at the time because my coach also, Danny was very like big on making sure I was still a kid. Like I also there was like um, Olympic trials in 2008, the year I graduated, it was in Georgia. And I really, really, really wanted to go watch. I thought that it would be a great learning experience for me. And like, it was all I ever dreamt of is to be um, uh, to make the Olympic Games. And Danny wouldn't let me go because it was the same weekend as prom. And he didn't want me to miss out on that experience. So, like, That's he was very, like, he, he 
pressure to that, but like he knew I could get a scholarship for weightlifting and like, I wouldn't have been able to afford to go to college otherwise. And so it was, it was important that I went to nationals or to the youth, or I think it was junior nationals actually that year instead of state championships. So that was kind of a weird thing, but yeah. That's pretty amazing. And I mean, talking about him, how many coaches are going to go up to a, a young kid and say, Hey kid, you want to make the Olympics? You know, and even, even yeah. that thought into your mind at such a young age, that's a pretty incredible thing. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny that those were the, the choice words that he used because like, he didn't know me at all. He didn't know that I already had that goal in soccer. He didn't know that that's, a, that was like a huge thing for my family. Like we always watch the Olympics. Like I, okay. I know that I'm like a tomboy and, and, and I like shouldn't have played with Barbies, but I did play with Barbies when I was little, but the Barbies that I played with were all like the gymnastics Barbies, the ones that like were flexible. And I remember like my grandma would take me to the grocery store with her and I would like the music, you know, that plays in the background were so similar to like floor routines that I would take my Barbie and, and I was like maybe three or four and I would be like, playing gymnastics on like all the produce and like things like that with the Barbie. Like I was just always like obsessed with the Olympics. That's so, so you've, you've just lived it and breathed it your whole life now. Yeah. And so it's, it's just like amazing how like things work out like that. That was the words that he used. Like if he would have used other words, like, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have been as excited about switching sports because I did love soccer a lot, even though I like, it doesn't sound like I did at that point. I was, I did love soccer. So, yeah. That is interesting, which is, I mean, a little bit back to the social media point, like, you know, if someone on social media uplifts somebody instead of just throws them down, you know, what are we doing to them? Maybe we can lift right. them and elevate them to a place in life where they can really do something great or we can tear them down and who knows, maybe they're going to get lower self-esteem. It's just a, I, I yeah. love that story. Holy cow. I could, uh, that, that's so cool. Okay. I'll, I'll stop saying how cool it is. It was just, uh, <laughs> I'm just smiling a lot right now. I really love that. Thanks. Yeah. I, I was very lucky. I mean, like not a lot of young girls can say too, that like they were in like the perfect situation at the right time. Like that there was even a weightlifting program at my high school an Olympic style or a high school, like both of those were incredible in general. Like nowadays, that's not really like in Florida, it's a thing, but like other, in other states, it's not. And so, yeah, I was, I was very lucky. Yeah. So how are other people getting into it? Is it mostly uh, like USA weightlifting clubs or just gyms, CrossFit? I mean, how, 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 how are other people getting into it? Um, at that time? Yeah. At that, at that point, I think, well, CrossFit wasn't a sport yet. Um, so I think back then it was kind of like who, like you were in the right place at the right time. Like that was kind of everyone's story. Like, um, like I'll use Sage Bergner as an example. She was my roommate in college when we were both in a weightlifting program. Um, and I knew her as a youth athlete and, you know, she was obviously in the sport and exposed to the sport because her dad is Mike Bergner and her brother is Casey Bergner and he was on the Olympic track. And so she was just exposed to the sport at a super young age. And um, she chose it because of that. And 
and all the stories that I'd heard from other athletes at that point were very similar. Like there's a program in Missouri that it's for inner city kids and it's a weightlifting program and they get them off the streets and they get them into doing something productive. And, you know, the kids that are from that area, like they were exposed to it and they got into weightlifting. If they really fell in love with it, they kept doing it for years on end. And some of them, you know, just did it to get through school and then they moved on with their lives. And some of them are still doing it now. Um, and then like, there's a program in NorCal that's very similar to that. Uh, it's like an inner city kind of program. And it, there's a teacher at the high school who coaches weightlifting and, um, he recruits kids and he recruits their siblings and it just like works out that way. But like nowadays there's CrossFit gyms everywhere. People are exposed to it. Social media exposes us. It's like, there's, there's so many ways to be introduced to the sport that and and that's amazing it's great that it's just kind of crazy that like back then it was like the perfect situation but like now it's a lot easier to find it for sure well things i don't i don't know the how how the universe works but i think things usually work out how they should so you know you might have been put in a, those situations for a reason and you know things aligned to to do what you're doing today and obviously you've you've taken all those opportunities and have done very good things with them thank you i i try really hard to because i guess like for me it, without weightlifting whether i end up reaching all my goals or not if i wouldn't have found weightlifting like there's so many things that wouldn't have happened like i probably never would have traveled ever I would have never left Florida I would have never met my husband so I would have never met all these people that are in my life right now so like whether or not I make the Olympics or I medal at the Olympics or I have to retire early because of an injury whatever happens in my career from now until the end of when it happens I still feel like the sport itself gave me so much like confidence, friends, a, a relationship. Um, and I learned so many lessons, like not even life lessons, but also like about myself that, you know, I wouldn't have learned otherwise. And I'm just really grateful to it. Yeah. Well, not being grateful is so important because so many people get caught up on the end result, right? So they may go, right. well, my goal is the Olympics. And then everything else blows past them and maybe they make the Olympics or maybe they don't, but they're not enjoying the time that they spent learning the things that they needed to get to the Olympics. And so I think right. it's good that you're, you're taking all those, you're not taking them for granted and you're being grateful for all of them. That's, you're going to carry that with you forever and, and be able to share that with others in a, in a way more positive way. Yeah, thank you. I, yeah, because I mean, I don't know what I'll do, like if I'll end up coaching eventually or not, but like I will always give back to the sport in some capacity if I have the ability to be just because of that and because, you know, I was able to kind of pay attention and um, and learn things. And, and like I've had a lot of coaches over the last 15 years and I feel like I I tried really hard to learn a little bit from all of them um whether it's you know how they were coaching me as a human being but also as a professional coach 
and like all of all of those things I feel like are great lessons if I choose to go into coaching um but even if not like like who I am as a person I feel like is shaped by a lot of my experiences through the sport yeah yeah I really like that um so shifting gears just a little bit uh so when I say greatest accomplishment, I don't mean like the coolest accomplishment. Um, mm-hmm. For you personally, what has your greatest accomplishment been so far in your Olympic lifting journey? Um, that's a really interesting question. <laughs> I think setting goals and reaching them. And and I know that sounds really broad, but there's so many seasons, like when you're, when you're training for a long period of time, it's really easy to get lost. And like you said, like the Olympics is the end goal, but like, I think it's really cool that throughout the whole process, there's so many little milestones that you can accomplish on the way if you're, you know, paying attention and you're, you're taking the time to develop in, in that way. And I think it's really cool to see as a whole in a career how many of those goals that you set and that you ended up attaining and accomplishing. And I've done almost all of them that I set out even when I was a kid. And and even if the, so like I've broken American records, a few of them, and as cool and I've made a, a bunch of international teams and like I've done a lot of other cool things in the sport and those things are all great but like at the end of the day they can all be taken away like someone can beat my records and and like our our weight class has changed so technically the weight classes like the old records that I did at 58 are no longer records because and no one beat them but no one can because that's no longer a weight class and like the 59 kilo class they have like standards for but no one actually has their name next to it so it's like even if I would have the 59 records somebody can break them at any point when I retire so it's not like just the fact that I have done that at one point is like a cool thing to me or and 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 not even that like that I set myself out to make a world team like uh, coaches told me like you should focus on the university track because I don't think you'll make a world championships. Like it might not be in the cards for you. And I've made four and yeah. it's, it's cool because it's like, I knew in my heart that I could do it and I had that goal for myself. And so I went out and I accomplished them and no one can take that away, whether or not I make it again or I don't make it again or someone ends up being going down in history as the best 59 ever in, in the in the country whether or not that's me or somebody else like at one point I had the American records and I broke them yeah. that's a goal I had and I and I accomplished it so like little things like that I, I just think like there's been a lot of cool accolades that I have like on my resume as far as like if I wanted to do a seminar and I wanted to like boast about myself yeah but like to me the coolest part is that like I was capable of setting that goal and then focusing on it and working hard for it and reaching it that's cool to me I agree I like that um (laughs) that's really cool I like that about you that you just you're enjoying that journey and um Mm -hmm. That's something that, that so many more people could, 
could learn from. I mean, me personally, I could, I could learn from it too. Just, it's so easy to get caught up on what's cool, but the ups and downs are really what make us who we are. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like your mindset has changed over the last 15 years of, of weightlifting? And I know mindset is super broad, right? Cause there's mindset in approaching the barbell and training and everything, but, um, maybe let's take like approaching the barbell. Um, and I don't know if anyone's ever asked you that either, but just when you were approaching a heavy barbell in high school versus now, has your mindset changed? Yeah, I, I and and you know what? I'll I'll be honest about it too. It it's changed for the better. It's gotten worse. It's gotten better again. It's it's gone through a lot of like seasons, literally. Um, when I, I I'm still like it, it's kind of like a stepping stone. Like I might take a step back, but I'm not necessarily like at the beginning as like I was. So like when I first started weightlifting, and I was in high school, and I um you know, was attempting heavier weights. My first instinct was fear. My first instinct was um, hesitation. And now, even if I have that, I still have this underlying understanding that I know I'll be okay no matter what, and that I can, I'm comfortable with pushing myself beyond what I'm comfortable with, if that makes sense. So um, that has changed. But obviously, like, when there's some days where I'm more confident than others and I feel better than others. And, um, yeah. So I guess, I guess just, I've matured a lot in the sport, but like understanding to be nice to myself because there are days that aren't, aren't going to be like the best version of me. And, and then there's some days that are the best version of me and the best that there has been yet. And realizing that there is still more to come. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> no, I, I like that. What kind of popped in my head is that there might be some listeners that uh, don't even understand the question, like, you know, approaching a barbell, they're like, okay, you're walking up to a barbell, but what it is, so you weigh, you're in the 59 kilo class, you said? Yeah. So you weigh like 120, 130? Yeah, one, like about 130 to 133, depending on where we are in the training cycle and and yeah, on weight, I'm like 130 exactly. What's your max clean and jerk? Um, in competition, my max clean and jerk is 116, so that's double body weight. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's uh, where I was kind of trying to get with this is um, approaching that barbell where you have one lift on stage in front of thousands of people. You're lifting oh, yeah. your body weight up above your head, and so there's so much that can go through through your head of, you know, am I able to do this? Am I going to mess up? Am mm-hmm. I gonna this perfect? And then within mm-hmm. the self, there's a million things that could go right. And there's a million things that could go wrong. And so yeah, uh, no one's ever like lifted that heavy barbell. The question might be a little difficult to understand. Um, yeah. Um, and, and maybe it's important to know that like when at this point in my career, every weight means something. So you know, if I do a 117 clean and jerk, it means this total, it means this for the Olympics, it means this for a world team, it means this for a placement on the world team, or on the at the world championships, like everything about the weight, not even just like the load itself, and if it could break me (laughs) and hurt me, or if I'm physically capable of doing it, there's also that added like, 
okay, if you make this, it's a medal. Or if you don't make this, you don't get a medal. And you're the only one on USA so far that hasn't, you know, like there's, there's so many layers to that fear, I guess, um, that someone could find and like learning about the, like learning how to manage that and what to be thinking about and what to be focusing on and being conscious of your thoughts is all like, it's, it's all part of the process of developing as an athlete. Um, and like I said, there's, there's good days with that and bad days with that. But yeah, some, some athletes are just like naturally good at that piece. Um, and some athletes have to work a lot harder at that particular piece. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot that goes into the mindset of approaching heavy barbells, especially per person. Like everyone's a little different there. Is there anything specific that you have done or are working on to, to better that mindset? Um, it's like a constant thing. I, I think like, and like I said, that I've been in this sport for a really long time. And so for me, it's kind of like, I don't know. There's a lot of layers. Like, obviously I, I have goals that I haven't accomplished yet and I really love to do that. Um, but I've put in a lot of time in the sport and a lot of hard work. And so now it's kind of about, you know, building on that confidence and, and pushing myself beyond where I am now and still being able to get better after this long. And that's in itself a challenge. Like there's always things to grow and be better at as an athlete and nobody's ever perfect, but I'm getting older and I've been in the sport for so long. I have a lot of like one bad habits to um, like trauma from the sport, not, not just like physically, which I do also have physically, but, but mentally, like I've been, heartbroken by the sport I've had elated amazing like miracle competitions in the sport I've just had a lot of highs and a lot of lows and so for me at this point in my career it's like how do I forget about things that happened to me in the past and and still be able to improve and grow and like how do I keep evolving in the sport as the sport evolves okay so, which kind yeah. of goes to more like a hierarchy of needs. Um, what is kind of in all of that? So, I guess going deeper, like training age. So, if someone first starts mm -hmm. lifting right now, they're going to see a huge improvement. You know, if they snatch 100 pounds right now, mm -hmm. then they can hit 120 in three weeks because the training age is low. Your training, right. is, your training age is high. I mean, 15 years, that's, that, yeah. that's awesome. Before you yeah. continue to make those improvements, um, what are some of your focuses to make that happen? Well, it's an interesting thing because on on the positive side, in my training age, I have a lot of experiences to rely on where in the newer athletes that are progressing really fast right now and, and then are naturally gifted in the sport in general where they've come up really fast, they're relying on that confidence that they just keep getting better where like I'm more seasoned I guess and realistic and and where I am so um I can if I'm not having a good day I can rely to have confidence on my experience in that I know I'm fine no matter what and and I've been through so many circumstances in the sport and so many situations where no matter what happens like I've probably been through it already and if not I'm really not nervous about it because 
like I've already been through such hard times in the sport, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, but in, in training, you're, you're asking if, um, like what they should be trying to develop as a newer athlete. Is that what you're asking? Oh, no, I was just kind of more wondering about you, um, as, oh. it, you know, because you, you have a higher training age, whereas oh. somebody else is like, well, I added some accessory work and my snatch went <laughs> by 10 kilos. You know, yours is a little bit, oh. yours is a like more fine tune. Um, right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny because, um, like, it's funny that you, you say it like that because it's literally like how I feel it's like no matter what I know I'm I'm capable of these numbers under pressure like blind drunk whatever like I feel super confident because of of that my training age and everything but at the same time there aren't that many changes that I can make to keep progressing but thankfully my strength has always been above where my actual numbers are like my back squat and my front squat and my push press and all of those things are pretty high in comparison to like the numbers that I do. Like there's kind of a standard um, for people that don't know, like in every country has their own kind of um, system, I guess, and how they train athletes and they all have different like opinions about like, Oh, if you back squat this, you can clean and jerk this and, and things like that. And that's, it's pretty universal in the same way. Like, what the percentages are of your, your back squat translates into your, your, um, um, clean and jerk and like your powers translating into your, your snatches and things like that. And my percentages have always been way off because of my strength. So thankfully for me, and I think that's why I've been able to keep adapting and keep growing and keep evolving is I'm still off on that. And I have more room to grow where like if I was completely maxed out on my strength and I wasn't getting stronger and I had no more room to improve in like the percentages of like the actual numbers that I'm doing. And like some of the gap is technique and some of it is um, motor pattern and, and, and um, like bad habits that I picked up over the years that are kind of hard to break. And then just my natural body, like, my natural body is, is I have longer arms. So, and my, and my legs are stronger, but my tendency is to push the bar away from me in the jerk, for example. So when it gets heavier and I'm not as confident, that's my go-to because I'm trying so hard to make it. So like relearning how to stay calm in that moment and still like trust my technique and trust myself, like those can still give me a, a big improvement in my opinion in the clean and jerk itself in the number and like my I worked really hard this year on my snatch technique and it's gotten super efficient and super um consistent and I feel like I'm on the verge of a really big snatch PR but like like you said because of my training age it takes a lot longer for me because it's also like tricking me into like doing it on a day like it feels really good it's more than just like I have no idea what it's going to feel like. Like I have attempted this before. I know what it feels like. It's yeah. heavy, you know, you know, like it's, it's kind of manipulating the, those kind of things a little bit to, to get the most out of me as an athlete still. And that's tricky. That's, that is really tricky where for the newer athletes like Kate Viber or these other girls that are making the world team and stuff, like 
they're incredible and I'm, I'm not taking that away from them, but they also have that um, ability to not really know what they're, they're doing yet. Like, and not in the sense that they're not, they don't know what they're doing, but in the sense that like, they don't have failure to, and maybe they have a bad meat here or there, but, but yeah. they don't have like heartbreak, you know, yeah. to, yeah. to yeah. be like, you know what? I'm not good enough. Yeah. Right. 15 years yeah. of experiences that, that allow you to, to see and grow from. I, actually, that's really cool. Cause I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that uh, before we chatted as far as your, your training age and all of that goes. So you, you have where you're sitting right now, you do have an awesome advantage um, as far as all that goes. Is that like a dog? Mm-hmm. Or something in the back? What? I, I have no idea what that sound in the background is. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. It's okay. It's me. I'm like outside and I'm going inside now. Sorry. Oh, you're totally fine. It's all good. You've probably heard my kids yelling in the background. So. Oh yeah. It's okay. Um, yeah. So sorry. Um, no, I think that's really cool that you have those experiences in order to kind of draw on. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool too, that after 15 years of this ups and downs, you still can be like, and I'm on the verge of a big snatch PR like that. That's what's something that gets me so fired up about this sport is it's a lifelong. It, it's, it, it takes a lifetime to master this. And you'd think from the outside looking in, not knowing anything about the snatch and the cleaning jerk, you're like, okay, cool. So you're lifting the weight up over your head, but it is, oh. it is so incredibly difficult there's so much that goes into it. People spend their entire life trying to master it. And so it's just so exciting to talk with someone who's been doing it for 15 years and goes, I'm about to PR again. I just think that's. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I mean, like, I, and, and, and it's something that like I know is there and I know I'm capable of. And, and there's a lot of people I'm sure that don't necessarily think that because it has been so long. Like, and this is something too that like in, in weightlifting and it's not like, like you have to be so stubborn in this sport because there's such a learning curve with technique and with building strength. Like sometimes it takes a long time to build more strength and building the strength that you need to lift one more kilo at my level takes a long time. So like I haven't PR'd on my total in, in four years, but my international total has improved. My consistency at that international PR total has improved. Like in the last three international meets I've, I've done within three to four kilos of the same total at all of them. And they're all very high pressure. And like before that, that it was like, um, my best total as a 58 before they changed the weight classes was a 208. And then in, in the Pan Am championships just a few months ago, I did a 207. So it's like within shooting distance of what I did then and my best international total when I did that 208 was only 199. So like, it's a huge jump in confidence in the international stage, which at this point, like our performance internationally is really the only thing that matters. Like improving our total is of course important, but like improving our total in an international competition is way more important than hitting like a huge significant PR in training. 
So like, to me, that's a huge accomplishment for an athlete who's been in the sport and has, has been able to, like I keep saying, evolve, I guess, and, yeah. and get better. And, and like a 207, only one kilo away from my best. Like if I made one more lift, I would have PR'd my, my overall total too. Yeah. So it's like, it's like right there, you know, and it's just tweaking little things at every competition. And we're doing so many that I have plenty of opportunities at this point to, to make those little adjustments and, and, and make those changes. And, and you asked me earlier, like I work with a sports psychologist, I do journaling, I do meditation, I do visualization. Like I do a lot of, um, I guess just conscious awareness of my self-talk. And like I said, there's ups and downs in this. Like um, I've gone through weeks on weeks where I'm like, I don't think I should do this competition because I don't feel confident. I don't feel ready. I don't think I'll be ready. And then like in a day, it completely turns around into like me feeling so confident, like knowing for sure I'm going to win and for sure I'm going to make all my lifts and like, um, like for sure I'm going to PR. So it's, it's so like tricky to answer that because it's like all this work that I do, it, it's all purposeful and, and it, it is all beneficial but it doesn't always show like instant feedback and it doesn't show instant progress um and and neither does training and, and that's what I was getting at earlier is like for me to not hit a PR in four years doesn't mean I'm not getting better because there's still like so many things that I've improved on in the middle of that that like I know that I'm capable of getting a PR because I've been putting in this work and I feel it. Like I can tell that I'm ready. I'm physically ready. I'm emotionally ready. It's just like when we're in the competition setting, you can't make any mistakes if you want to get a PR. Like, like I'll give you an example. When we were in um, Guatemala for the Pan Am championships, I snatched 90 on my opener, which is like a it, it's my normal opener at around 90 give or take one or two kilos and then we went up to 94 which was a PR in international in international and national competitions on like at a competition I've made it in training a bunch of times but I had never done that in competition but on my second attempt I took 94 and I missed it and I came back and I was like oh no I know I can make that it was like I, I, I had a little mental mistake in the middle of the lift. I let myself get a little distracted and I missed. And so I had to repeat and make that again for my third attempt. So it was a PR, but I had more in me that day to get a like lifetime PR in training at the competition too. But because I made that mental mistake, I didn't have the opportunity to go up higher than 94. So like I had to take the 94 as like my final lift because that's all like that secured my bronze medal. So it was kind of like, you you don't always get a million opportunities to hit these PRs. So it's like, if I fix like that little mistake, then I can put it on the bar and then I have the opportunity there. So it's not like in training where you have like a million chances. You could try again. If you miss, you could try again. If you miss, like you can miss as many times as you want and keep trying. But like in a competition, we don't have that, that luxury. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned Sage Bergner earlier, and I, I noticed on social media the other day, she like had in her mind, she's like, I will PR my snatch today. She said it was like 86 attempts or something like that, and then finally got it. And uh, I mean, honestly, in, in training, you know, you can do that. But yeah, in competition, just just not going to happen. <clears throat> um, yeah, and especially at an international competition, because what I want isn't necessarily what's best for Team USA. Yeah. So like, the, the national coaches will make these decisions for us in a lot of 
a lot, a lot of times. So like, say I missed 94. If I was at home at like a national event, my coach might have been like, hey, you already like, do you want to do another one? Do you want to go up or what? And ask me and I might call like, I want 96. Like that's the American record. I want 96. Yeah. But like we're at an international competition. It's not my call. Like I messed that up. They want to secure a bronze medal and that's the only priority. So I have to like, you know, not have an opinion or not want something because it's not my choice. I hadn't thought about that in, in Olympic weightlifting. I mean, because you still are on a team, yet it's an yeah. individual sport. That's interesting. It's, it's tricky, too, because, like, our coaches at the international stage, like, we get to bring our personal coaches, but, like, they're the national team coaches. They're not our coaches. So you have to get comfortable being around people that, you know, don't see you every day in, like, a week because that's who's going to be coaching us, you know? Yeah. Who's your coach right now? Um, his name's Russ. He um, coaches at the Academy of Weightlifting, um, and we live in Orange County, California, right now. And yeah, so he's my coach. Cool, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I could probably ask you questions all day, and <laughs> stuff like is super exciting to me. And I just I love talking with people that have put themselves in the position that, that you are, um, just elite athletes. Um, I think we can get so much out of your mindset and your attitude. And like I said, I could just ask you questions all day, but I know it's been over an hour now and I don't want to take up your time. Um, but I'd love to do this again sometime and maybe get a little bit deeper into, uh, kind of the nutrition aspect. I know you and Christian both list, um, working against gravity and, yeah. uh, which I guess plug for them as well. Like if anyone's looking to, to focus on their nutrition and, and um, health and longevity, like that's definitely a good route to go. Um, but like I yeah. said, I appreciate it. Um, how can people find you? Because they should follow you. Um, thank you. Um, I have an Instagram and it's Jessica Lucero nine. And that's pretty much it. Like I have a Facebook, but I don't use it that much. I just like, sometimes I use my Twitter and sometimes I deactivate it. It's kind of depending on my mood. So I don't have Twitter right now or anything like that. So just Instagram. I'm the same. Twitter gets like really political and then I delete it and then I get, yeah. I get back, and then it gets really political again and I delete it. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes I'll be on there and I'll say something and I'll mean it in one way and then people will take it in another and then they get all upset about it. And I'm like, Oh, that's not what I meant. And then I'm just like, ah, oh, forget it. Like they, <laughs> I don't know how to talk to people apparently. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough online. Well, that's one thing I enjoy about podcasts too, is just that we can have a conversation and talk and it's not just a picture and a comment and then all of a sudden people are freaking out about it you know it's it's actually yeah something. that's true because you can hear the context and like you have more background to it that's true that's a good point so, well thank you so much jessica i really appreciate it Perfect. Um, as always like if you need anything please let us know but i i know the listeners will really appreciate this and i hope that you have a great day thank you thanks for having me thanks we'll see you bye